0: This is the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast with Nick Cavins.
1: This episode is brought to you by our friends at FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS media network. Sign up now at FanDuel.com slash Boston and new customers, new customers can get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Check them out. FanDuel.com slash Boston. Well, Greg, Uh, I wish we had better news to talk about today, my man. I I wish we were talking about great things. Even good things would be passable today. But, of course, we've got to start with Jack Jones and the story. What happened to him last week? Uh, He appeared in East Boston Municipal Court yesterday. He pled not guilty to nine weapons charges. Uh, The 25-year-old was arrested, of course, going back to last week, June 16th, at Logan Airport. Two loaded Glock 9mm firearms found in his carry-on luggage. Uh, He posted a $30,000 bail. He's expected to return to court August 18th. Uh, That's an off day prior to the Patriots preseason game against the Packers. If you're wondering, if you haven't read, if you've been living under a rock, the uh, charges that Jones is currently facing, in addition to an airport security violation, he's charged with two counts each of unlawful possession of a firearm Carrying a loaded firearm, possession of a large capacity magazine, and possession of ammunition without a firearm ID card. Uh, first and foremost, Greg, just your reaction uh, to this arrest when you heard it, saw it, and read about it.
0: Uh, my initial reaction was like, really? I mean, come on, Jack. I mean, you you have to be smarter than this. I mean, this is a guy that we just got done. I certainly got done writing about. I think we talked about that, OK, you know, we, we all know his background. He slid to the fourth round in the draft because he had a plethora of issues in college. He was at three different colleges. Um, we know about the arrest at Panda Express um, that went from felony charges to misdemeanor charges, um, it had issues even at Arizona State. I mean, he fl- basically flunked out of USC, went to uh, another college in the middle where he didn't play football, then ended up at Arizona State you know, had suspension issues there, is fighting. And so you knew that, you knew his background and you understood why he slid in the draft. You understood that the talent has always been there. I mean, we're talking about a five-star recruit out of college, you know, going yep. to USC. And so the talent's always been there. Um, you know, his rookie year, he certainly flashed at times. I think, you know, the, the Packers and Browns game back-to-back that he had last year Uh, were two of the better games by any cornerback on this team. Um, Now, it didn't sustain itself. I mean, it was, I would say he was inconsistent. He certainly made plays. He gave up a lot of plays. But that's typical of a rookie cornerback and and the struggles As you know, we we sort of talk about Gonzalez going forward here. I mean, those things um, are going to happen. Um, You know, I would say he had a good, solid rookie season, but he ended up being suspended by the team. So you know, not only did you have the issues in college, now all of a sudden he has issues with the team. Uh, Belichick basically said that those th- that was over and done with uh, when we spoke to him at the league meetings. To my eyes, out at the practices where we were, I thought he had a really good spring. Uh, to the point, and I think the coaches thought that too. To the point was uh, to the point that he was the top cornerback in the final practice. Uh, before the break, before summer camp, uh, you know, they, you know, Gonzalez was on the second team. Jack Jones went up to the first team. To me, in my opinion, that was the coaching staff saying, Hey, you, yeah, you screwed up last year. Everybody screws up. You've done the right things. You've played really well. Here's a little, you know, a, a little attaboy to show you like, Hey, you're doing a good job. Give them some confidence going into training camp. And then, you know, just a few days later, you know he does this, and it it, it just, I mean it, it was colossally stupid, um, and you know there's really no excuse for it, and uh, you know just disappointment. Um, you know, not shocked given his background, but just disappointed because the Patriots keep giving him chances. They gave him a chance by drafting him. They gave him a chance by playing him last year. They gave him a chance after he got suspended. Give him a chance to start, and then, and then he he ruins their trust. So you know, I would say uh, disappointment was probably my my initial reaction.
1: Yeah, you know, it, disappointment is is the perfect word I think because we we see this young man. He's got a ton of talent, as you mentioned, Greg. Talent is not the question. His ability to play football on the field is not a question, and I don't think it's really ever been a question. Maybe the fact that he's not as big and, and you know muscular as some would want him to be—that uh, was really a, a lot of the on-field question stuff. But when you saw him play last year, when you see what he did in camp and mandatory minicamp, in you guys watched—you know—him as you said, kind of grow into that. And and I agree with you that Bill Belichick was, I think, sending a message to him of saying, hey, man, you know, good job of sticking with the program here. You've done right this offseason. You've looked good. And we're going to give you this this carrot at the end of minicamp as we lead into training camp in late July. And now he really just blows all of that up. And I don't think if you're Jack Jones, I don't think you're concerned right now or you shouldn't be concerned about your football career. You should be concerned whether or not you're going to jail and, and what you're facing here. And we'll get into that in a little bit about, you know, this case and the defense attorney and the performance that she put in yesterday uh, at that courthouse. But, you know, it, it's just that the, some of the history here, it, it's not shocking I and mean, it's disappointing, but it's not shocking. We knew he had red flags. We knew there were things that happened off field. We knew this was always a possibility. We hoped that it wouldn't happen. We would hope we believe in second chances for the most part in this country. And we hope that with the second chance, you mentioned maybe third, fourth chance, that Jack Jones would finally realize his position in life and this opportunity. And it's rather obvious that he doesn't understand that golden opportunity that lays in front of him right now. Or he just can't shake some of this stuff that's, you know, within him. And I know Devin McCourty, I listen to Tommy say that, you know, Devin said he's a good kid, good kid, bad kid, whatever, um, irresponsible. And everybody knows the rules. You, you can't roll into an airport with a couple of Glocks in your carry-on with ammunition and magazine. Like, you just, you can't do it. You, you should know better than that. And especially given this happened a couple of weeks after he was – you know, getting on jaw via social media, it makes it look, you know, that much worse because here he is on Twitter or whatever, telling people how, you know, how ridiculous the, the John ja Moran thing is. And then here he is a couple of weeks later, walking into Logan with a couple of guns. So disappointing. And you, you just would hope that the young man would, would learn from his prior mistakes. And he obviously hasn't. What do you think about the Patriots? How
0: do you think they feel about this, Greg? They're pretty ticked off. Um, you know, I, I know that they, they, they're just like shaking their head and, you know, they can't believe that, you know, Jack Jones would put himself and the team in this position. Um, now, you know, that's fine that they're, they're ticked off, but, you know, it looks from their actions or inaction to this point, I don't think they're going to do anything anytime soon. I mean, that could change. Robert Kraft could you know, wake up tomorrow and be like, "That guy's gone." Like he he was trouble in college. We gave him a chance. You know, he got suspended at, at the end of his rookie year, not doing the right thing. Like, what are we doing here? This guy just keeps doing. He he. You know, there there's, there's a saying that you know uh, people people tell you who they are. And, you know, it's it's whether you choose to ignore it or not. And, you know, I could see the Patriots all of a sudden waking up and being like, this guy's not worth the trouble and releasing him. But that they haven't done it to this point um, tells me that they're going to let this uh, play out. And I think that has to do with his talent level and, you know, where they are at the cornerback position. I was going to
1: ask you that, you know, and it was kind of going to be a it was going to be mostly a rhetorical question. But do you think they hang on to this guy? Do you think that Jack Jones is already released if he's a sixth round pick, seventh round pick, UDFA, somebody who they might not believe is a starting corner in the league? And instead, you've got Jack Jones, who I have to imagine they look at and say, man, we got great value for him in the draft. He should have been a first or second round pick. We, we picked him knowing some of these red flags. This guy could be at least a number two corner for us. He could be an outside guy for the next five, six years for us. We got him on a great contract, blah, 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 And we see this all the time in sports, don't we, Greg? And we see it a lot in the mm-hmm. NFL. If you have a talent level, man, you're going to get a gig and you're going to give get get opportunities that other guys won't. We saw Greg Hardy in Dallas, and we could list all of the names over the prior 10, 15 years uh, of guys who have gotten into some serious issues away from the field. They've been overlooked because that organization feels that they have just too much talent to let that guy go. If Jack Jones is somebody who's barely hanging on to this roster, I would say Sean Wade, but the Patriots traded for him. So maybe not even Sean Wade, but if if he was somebody that just wasn't showing enough, I think he'd be gone already. And your talent gives you the opportunity, especially in the NFL. I got to believe Patriots are frustrated. They're angry, but they should, if they're being realistic, and they're being honest with themselves, they should say, yeah, we knew about the risks. We knew this was a possibility. Maybe not the specific charges and the specific incident, but we knew drafting this guy that something could have happened, especially after the suspension last year, they should look at themselves and evaluate their decision-making. And maybe that's part of this where they say, we knew this could come up. Maybe we feel we could work with this guy through these problems but how much is too much? As you're saying, one day do you wake up and say, all right, enough's enough. we got to draw the line somewhere. Every time right. we have a conversation like this with the Patriots, you know, Aaron Hernandez is going to come up and, you know, his name is going to come up and, and questions are going to be asked about, you know, does the Aaron Hernandez history factor in because of what happened with the organization? How does Robert Kraft feel about certain things uh, with with guns and and gun violence, you know, it reminds me of when Meyer Kraft passed away. You know, heavy on domestic violence, and and usually when the Patriots see something along those lines, it's a hard line. Does Aaron Hernandez in any way, Greg, factor into what's going to happen here with the Patriots and Jack Jones?
0: Um, a, a little bit. I mean, it certainly has to give them, uh, certainly more consideration about the, the, the factors and all this, um, than anything else. Um, you know, you know, I'll say this, you, you, you talked about, you know, Devin McCordy saying like, you know, he's a good kid. You know, I will say there were, there were a lot of people in the organization who would have said the same thing about Aaron Hernandez, um, yeah. at the time, maybe not some of the guys in the locker room, some of the guys in the locker room knew, you know, he was a quote unquote bad dude. You know, I, I talked to one NFL, um, general manager about Jack Jones. And, and he used the word like, you know, quote unquote, this guy was a bad guy in college. This isn't a surprise. Now the the Patriots in terms of Aaron Hernandez, you know, just, and, and I don't know, look, I don't know the nuts and bolts of this. I knew more about Hernandez and his background um, at the time. And I did a lot of reporting, you know, all throughout that. But to me, just from 10,000 feet, the difference, if the Patriots want to read into this is Jack Jones, you know, Aaron Hernandez, you can make the argument that he had a, he had violence in his background. Like there were incidents in college that came out that, you know, there were, there were violent incidents. Jack Jones, to this point, it doesn't look like he does. Now he has the, the, the Panda Express arrest and you know, that was, 3am um you know i went back and i looked at the facebook page from the police department that you know and his mugshots on there they basically there were police report at the time and you know that was like that was a real incident i mean they got busted in progress the police got called in progress it didn't guns were not part of it which is good um they did have a lookout who fled the scene like this was this wasn't just some knucklehead episode this was you know there was a string of of robberies at the time connected to former uh, Long Beach Poly pe- uh, athletes, and Jack Jones was one of those guys. So it was it was uh, disturbing. The the thing about they, that the Patriots have to ask themselves real questions about you know they have to really consider this. And you know I'm sure certain Patriots fans who don't want to hear anything bad about their players they're going to get sensitive about this stuff. But I mean you know if you're being unbiased. Like, you just have to look at, all right, the guy at the very least has already displayed questionable judgment throughout his past, yeah, um, including when he's been a professional with the Patriots, with some of his decisions last year, and reportedly a suspension came from he didn't want to do the right things rehab-wise, and he talked back to Belichick. Now, Jack Jones has disputed that. On Twitter, Albert Breer stands by it, Uh, you know, I'm just stating facts there. So he has questionable behavior. And now you're entering very serious uh, uh, handguns and other guns probably into this mix. Now, look, you know, if, if, if teams had concerns about guys just because they had guns, you know, that'd be like half the roster at least. I mean, look, we know we have a gun problem in this country and, you know, young athletes with disposable income. You know, they they have gun issues as well, uh, probably more than the general public. And so, you know, you just worry about if you're the Patriots, you have to ask serious questions about like, all right, you this guy has serious judgment. He tried to rob a Panda Express. He hasn't smartened up from that. Now he's introducing guns into the mix. You know, are we worried about all that stuff coming together? I mean, those, you have to ask those questions. If you are the head of an organization, you know, you might come down and say your head of security might say, you know, it's not that big of a risk, but y- you know, you certainly with Aaron Hernandez in the background and we heard Bel- Belichick once we got back from, I think it was training camp after all that stuff. And he said, you know, he took responsibility and he said, you know, we need to make corrections going forward and how we evaluate people. To me, that has to play into the mix here with Jack Jones or else, you know, the Patriots are, are, you know, it's a dereliction of duty. And, you know, if if something does happen, if he does escalate for some reason and you're hoping that this incident is the final correction that gets him on the right path. But if something else happens, the Patriots can't say, but they were surprised about it.
1: Let's talk about FanDuel, FanDuel, FanDuel FanDuel.com.
0: Baseball season is in full swing and there's no better place to get in on the action than FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because right now new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if you if your first bet doesn't win. Just go to fanduel.com/boston to join today. I love the app, so simple. Nick's been talking about it forever. He's been using FanDuel forever. He loves it, I love it. So easy and convenient you got to get on there and check it out. So don't miss your chance to snag a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 when you jo- join FanDuel today. Just go to fanduel.com/boston to sign up. FanDuel, official partner of Major League Baseball. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 21+ and present in mass. First online real wager only. $10 deposit required. Refund issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at fanDuel.com sportsbook. Hope is here. Gambling helpline MA.org or call one 800 327 5050 for 24-7 support. Play it smart from the start. GameSenseMA.com or call 1-80-GAM one yeah, 800 gam 1234
1: And of course, I don't want anybody to take from this that we're comparing the Hernandez situation to Jack Jones because no. it, it's obviously a different level what Greg and I are talking about is you have history of off-field behavior that led to the Aaron Hernandez situation. People knew, you know, we can, I don't want to relitigate and go back and go through all of the stories. I mean, documentaries have been done, books have been written. There were a lot of things that Aaron Hernandez was doing in college. There were a lot of things that Aaron Hernandez was doing in Providence and in Boston. There was a lot of crap that was going on. And, most of it, if not all of it was overlooked because again, it goes back to the talent. Aaron Hernandez was a special talent on the field. And so it's, it's looking at a, a very special talent and maybe, you know, Jack Jones isn't as talented as Hernandez was. I don't know, you know, Jack's young, who knows, but when you have somebody who's talented, somebody who you think could be important to the football team and they have the off field activity, That could lead to bigger issues and bigger problems down the road. When do you cut the cord? And I have to imagine, Greg, that with the Aaron Hernandez history, that cord, that leash should be shorter. It should be shorter, especially when you talk about firearms and you talk about ammunition, you know, showing up to an airport with what he showed up with. That has to factor in. I agree with you. Uh, hopefully, I, I pronounce her name correctly. Rosemary C. Scapaccio. Uh, she is the defense attorney for Jack Jones, and she made an appearance yesterday. Some would call it a performance in front of the cameras. Uh, just your thoughts on uh, Scapiccio. I- I'll pronounce it Scapiccio.
0: There's an I. So you uh,
1: your thoughts on Rosemary Scapiccio's performance last, uh, yesterday in front of the
0: media, Greg. Well, um, you know, we know that she's, she's good at her job. Um, she's part of, there's some Netflix documentary about, um, some case against the Boston police that, that, uh, she got a favorable, um, outcome for her client who had been in jail for something like 20 years. Um, she knows what she's doing. Um, she's a Boston girl, uh, for sure. Um, (laughs) with a capital B, um, (laughs) And uh, she knows what she's doing. And so, you know, she's obviously going to aggressively defend um, her client. Um, You know, that being said, uh, that was quite the straw man argument that she presented the other day. um, That, you know, she word I counted it. She used the word uh, thug 14 times, gang seven times in five minutes, which is pretty impressive. And uh, she was indicting social media which okay. I mean, you know, some people, a few people out there might've called, I didn't see it, but some people might've called them a wannabe thug or gangster as a result of this. Um, but then again, you could find just about uh, somebody who says anything um, on social media since it's um, such a bastion of the truth. But, you know, <laughs> here's, here's what I didn't like. Um, you know, look, first of all, she's, obviously going to, she's playing the race card in some capacity and that's fine. And she certainly has valid arguments, um, on that in general, in terms of our justice system, um, this specific case, you read the, the arrest report, you know, it it seemed pretty cut and dry to me that, you know, TSA was, you know, the x-ray machine saw the guns alerted the state trooper who came over, asked him questions, just observe, you know, Jack Jones wouldn't answer any questions open up the opened up the bag saw what he saw you know it's all on body cam footage so we'll be able to see it doesn't seem like there was any sort of racist bias there um so you know i just worry about if this this, this is probably a lot of grandstanding that you know maybe threatening the attorney general's office that hey if you go down those roads if you aggressively pursue these charges well we're going to aggressively pursue everything and that's you know, we're looking in the background of every TSA agent that was there, the state police officer, like if there's any shady, like racial stuff there, it's going to come out, you know, that's fine defending your client. If you're the Patriots, does that play really well that, that they're they that they would get aggressive with law enforcement in this regard when, you know, Jack Jones was clearly um, in the wrong for what he did. And the other thing that I didn't like, and it was very minor, and I know some people on my site, you know, didn't like it, but There was a follow up question very early in that press conference when she said, we're not going to answer questions about this. And one one reporter was like, why not? And she answered the she started to answer the question. And Jack Jones, like, gave a long lingering look like a stare at this reporter. And like, I thought Jack conducted himself other than that. I thought he conducted himself well, you know, he was, he looked humble. He, he looked the way that you should look. Remember the Patriots are watching this stuff, but you know, it, it was sort of like an intimidation stare. Like who, who the heck do you think you are asking these questions? And to me, that was a bad look for Jack Jones, but look, as far as the case and the, he's got the right attorney. Um, I'm sure they're going to argue that he had, and she said that he had no knowledge of what was going on, that the guns were in there. Yes, they were in his bag, but he had no knowledge of it. So we're getting into a situation where it sounded like that he had a female with him. Somebody they, there's going to be some sort of fall guy or at least somebody st- just steps up and said, I put the guns in there. Jack didn't know anything about it. Now it's a question of who believes who. But, the, you know, that seems to be the tactic, a popular tactic in these sort of uh, situations.
1: Yes, Capiccio, she did what a lot of attorneys do, a lot of defense attorneys do, which is immediately go on the aggressive PR war versus the facts. And from the facts that we see in in the reports and, and everything that's been mentioned so far, as you said, Greg, TSA, they see the guns, they call the officer over. Ask some questions, Jack Jones, not really being responsive to those questions, not reacting to those questions. You open the bag and what's there is there. Now, I agree that she immediately also left the door open for it was his or her fault, not Jack's fault. Whether that's going to fly, I have no idea. I also saw that Michael Hurley, who I appreciate, respect, very smart guy. You know, He mentioned the history of Boston, which I do think plays a role in this. Uh, from her standpoint, the the, the race uh, issues that, that the city has had and, and all of that stuff plays a role. And so she's going to use whatever she can utilize to defend her client. And right now, unfortunately for her and Jack Jones, from what we know, from what we know, everything is against him. The facts are against him. This looks like a really tough case to win, really, really tough case to win from what we know. So she's going to use the other stuff and see, as you mentioned, maybe she can go after some of these TSA agents. Maybe she brings the officer in, you know, maybe there's something about their history. That's what happens. They've got to use what they've got to use. As far as the Jack Jones glare, you know, I didn't watch all five plus minutes of the, of the press conference in front of the media yesterday, but I did notice, and, and this is something that, you know, Fans and all of that, they, they might not, they might say to Greg, their reaction might be to Greg, oh, who cares? It's like two seconds. You looked at the guy. But what Greg is looking at is from the media standpoint, okay? And when, when your defense attorney is utilizing public relations and PR, and, and, and she's obviously going to be very grandiose in, in some of these performances that she's going to put on. Because don't get it twisted. They're performances. That the, like, this is a performance art to go along with it. This is like, you know, the stuff you might see on law and order every once in a while. When you, when you have that moment, even if it's for a brief moment, that moment happens. And if you've read, if you go online and just Google Jack Jones charges or Jack Jones guns, or and if, if, if there is any picture other than the one that Greg's talking about that goes along with the headline, be surprised because I saw that picture of Jack Jones glaring at that reporter, almost every story I looked at yesterday. And that's why you've got to be so strict with the way you react to everything. Because two seconds, it's two seconds in real time, but one picture can last a long time. And people will look at that, they'll see the story, gun charges listed And that picture of Jack Jones glaring at the reporter, and as Greg mentioned, the the magical word, and I'm sure Scapiccio talking to her client had had warned him beforehand and likely talked to him afterwards as soon as she saw that picture surface, optics. And people hate optics. But when you're trying to put on a, a, a defense for your client, everything matters. And that picture doesn't help Jack Jones. It just doesn't. Even if it was for two seconds, that photo is going to last a lifetime. So that's something I'm sure he, he probably uh, regrets. John ja Morant, the situation in the NBA, we've seen Ja get, what, 25 games uh, over the weekend uh, from the NBA. He had a couple of issues with with
0: guns on social media.
1: Does that factor into Roger Goodell's decision-making
0: at all? Uh, I think it might. I'm, I'm fearful that it will. I mean, you know, look, Nick, how long have we been covering Roger Goodell? And, like, you know, we know that basically every decision that he makes, he basically— licks his finger and puts it puts it in the air to figure out which way the wind's blowing. And right now with, you know, after the Ja Morant situation and look, it's different because first of all, he had an issue during the season, which led to an eight game suspension. Then he had another um, situation more in public um, with the guns. One was in a nightclub. And I think that's what really put it over the edge um, for Adam silver, where, you know, he's going to miss basically like 30% of the schedule now. And so, you know, there were multiple violations. Um, you know, I think that uh and, and I and I wrote a little bit about this where, you know, look, the league had a huge gun problem when Goodell first came into the league, like right before he came in. And remember he came in really, really hard and really aggressive as far as discipline, you know, from like 05 was before Goodell with with Mike Doss, but you know, uh, Bengals wide receiver Chris Henry got two games. I think it was eight games, reduced to two games um, for, for you know, for firearms along with other issues. Tank Johnson, eight games for a bunch of weapons. I mean, like basically like an arsenal um, along with other violations. Plaxico Burris and a nightclub. We all remember, you know, the, the gun in his sweatpants and yeah. dropping it and shooting himself. And cheddar he, Bob. He pulled a Cheddar Bob from 8 Mile. Yeah. And, you know, along with, you know, he had to go to, he had to go to jail for it. So, you know, but th- that Plaxico Burris situation that was in 2008, that's 15 years ago. That's the last time, as far as I could tell, that there's been a uh, a suspension with um, firearms at the heart of the suspension. And so, you know, but I, I think that, you know, you look around and uh, there have been growing incidents, um, Quinn and Williams, other people in recent years, um, you know, along with this country, the NFL, you could make the argument, and I'm sure Goodell's going to look at this, and Adam Silver has looked at this, that there is a growing gun problem in the league. Again, I thought Goodell did a good job coming in and sort of coming down hard, and as a result, not a ton of issues, you know, for the league since then, but Things have been cropping up more and more. And I could see definitely Roger Goodell looking at this, looking what Adam Silver did. You know, it's not the same situation, but I could see Goodell and his advisors saying like, look, Adam Silver, you know, looks strong. He looks like he's trying to make corrections for this player and for the league. And like, you know, how are you going to look if you just let this slide? A guy bringing in, you know, two loaded handguns into Logan Airport. Um, you know, does that does that rise to them getting involved earlier? I mean, the facts shouldn't really be all in, in that much in dispute. The NFL will get uh, an investigator on it to see, you know, what they're going to argue ahead of time. And so, yeah, I do think that it I think that it factors in and we all know that Goodell does not use um fairness it's his judgment he can do whatever he want it's not about fairness and yes I could see Goodell because of what went on in the NBA because of the growing gr- gun problem in the league I could see him making an example of Jack Jones in this case and at least you know putting him on the commissioner suspension list or you know something to start the season something along those lines yeah I could see that
1: one thing I know about Roger Goodell is that he's going to drag his feet And the NFL will do everything that they possibly can to put this at the doorstep of the Patriots. They're going to want the Patriots to handle it themselves first. And we're talking about all sorts of different stories. But just go to Deshaun Watson, which was the most polarizing story recently in the NFL as far as off-field behavior and what was going to happen with Deshaun. The NFL were hands off. The NFL just let it play out. And they forced Houston's hand to, you know, deal with Watson. Th- then they, they had, you know, Cleveland kind of deal with the Watson situation. The NFL, they don't – it's almost like they, they don't want to put themselves in the middle of making these very, very strong deliberations and decisions. They like for the team to step up first and say, okay, we're going to, you know – We're going to we're going to handle it this way, which is why in Houston, you know, Deshaun was he was like, you know, on the active roster. But then he was deactivated game day. they, They played that game where he was still getting paid. He was still part of the team, but he was never around. He was never seen. He wasn't going to play. The NFL wasn't saying anything. They just kept him away from the field. And Goodell could have easily stepped up and put him on the commissioner's exempt list. He didn't. And so I think Adele is going to be calculated with this as well because that's what he is always he is always calculated about these these decisions. And I think he's going to force Robert Kraft and the Patriots to make a decision before the NFL says anything about this. I think you know, he's Nick, put it on the team's
0: the, hands. That that's a good point that you bring up. You know, Nick, and and you know, just hearing you discuss this, I mean, you know, don't you think? You know, the smart situation that you know, would be for the Patriots to come out with their own suspension of Jack Jones. I mean, look, he already screwed up last year. He already incurred a team suspension for, you know, whatever, whatever you want to believe. And then he goes and does this. I mean, you know, first of all, the Patriots would get positive PR um, from their fans being proactive. Um, and, and it's a way to sort of mitigate and see how things play out where you're like, all right, you know, he, we're waiting to see how things come out. But for now, you know, this is his second strike. We already suspended him for two games. Now we're going to be – he's suspended from us without pay for the first four games of the season. He can practice. He can do the preseason stuff, all that stuff. But we're suspending him the first month of the season because of team violations. Like, you know, I to me, some sort of suspension, whether it's two or four games, considering they already suspended him, um, to me, I think would be the, the best possible course – and you know, also possibly send a message to Jack.
1: It's also weird too. Before we get to the on-field stuff, which we'll get to in a minute, it's it's just a weird deal with with Jones because you just mentioned it, Greg. You already suspended this guy last season, so whether you, it's difficult to compare the two things, right? It's difficult to compare uh, walking into Logan with a couple of firearms that are loaded with ammunition to not following rehab and talking back to Belichick, but they are going to get compared. And if, if the team is not proactive and if the team doesn't do anything with Jack Jones from a disciplinary standpoint, people are going to look back and it's fair. They're going to look back and say, oh, wait a minute. So not following your he plan and talking back to the coach resulted in a suspension, but walking into Logan Airport with two firearms and ammunition doesn't lead to a suspension. Where's the disconnect there? And that's when, are you looking at violations on the field and in the team facility, are you looking at those violations differently than some off-field stuff, which is much more serious than skipping a rehab or telling Belichick one day to bleep off? That's going to happen. And so it's going to be fascinating because the Patriots could totally go. And it's interesting because, of course, you have Casario down in Houston, who handled the Deshaun Watson situation. And, and again, they kept him on the roster. They just, you know, played the roster games when they made sure he was inactive on game days, but he wasn't talking to the media. He was Patriots could do that with Jack Jones. They could do that for the entire season. If they want, that's what Houston did with Watson, or they could, you know, charge towards this thing head on and say, no, we're, we're suspending them for four games, whatever the case may be. There's a lot of options for the Patriots. It's going to be compelling to see which which option they go with. On the field, uh, just to me, lots of pressure on Christian Gonzalez now, Greg. And, yep. you know, Jonathan Jones, we've talked about him, maybe sliding around defensively, maybe some safety, maybe some slot. To me, I want Jonathan Jones on the outside. If Jack Jones is not a part of this equation, I don't want anything to do with Jalen Mills. And maybe this does, the silver lining is this could give an opportunity to Marcus Jones to, to possibly play some
0: slot. Yeah. Um, I agree. Boy, you love yourself some Jalen Mills. <laughs> <aren't you? laughs> uh, but I agree. Like, I think, um, you know, the, say Jack, let's just go with the assumption that Jack Jones is not available either for the first couple of games or, or what have you, um, y- you know, this now you, before that, um, if Jack Jones, um, did not get into this. You could see the Patriots. They could, if they wanted to bring uh, Christian Gonzalez along slowly, they had the option of starting Jack Jones and Jonathan Jones on the boundary. And then, uh, you know, putting somebody in the slot, whether that's Marcus Jones who we're hopeful for or Miles Bryant, everybody's favorite, Miles Bryant. Um <laughs> you know, or, you know, they could mix and match. They could put Jalen Mills back at boundary corner, but, you know, now without Jack Jones, I think there's no net for, for Christian Gonzalez. Now, I think he has to be out there. Yep. Uh, you have to go in with the mentality that he's going to be out there week one, um, you know, for the gauntlet, for, you know, the Eagles, which present all sorts of issues between Jalen Mills running and passing and, you know, AJ Brown and, you know, all Devonte Smith and, you know, all that they have, going on. Um, Just a huge challenge. Really, it puts a lot of pressure on Christian Gonzalez. And so we'll get a lot of answers about some of the questions that, you know, we and the rest of the NFL has had about him pretty early, you know, which is uh, certainly interesting. And, you know, I think it's exciting that, uh, you know, put the kid out there, but there's no question that this is a blow. If Jones is not available, it's a blow to this team, you know, because I think when you looked at it, you had uh, the makings of, you know, between, Christian Gonzalez, obviously talented. Jack Jones, obviously talented. And Jonathan Jones, obviously a good veteran player. You know, three pretty good cornerbacks with different size, speed combinations and what they could do. And you looked at it and you're like, all right, if these guys play to their level, they might have something at cornerback. You know, now now it's it's not quite as good. Um, I still think it's it's pretty good, but it's really thin. I mean, you're talking yeah. about at, at true boundary cornerback, the the, the the depth chart is Gonzalez, Jack Jones, and you can flip-flop those. And then it's a huge drop-off to Sean Wade, who's freaking horrible, has been since he's been here, probably only here because they traded, you know, spent some draft capital to get him from the Ravens. And then you have, the you know, Quandre Mosley, Nobody really knows who that is. Um, And Amir Speed and Isaiah Bolden, the two rookie late round picks who are more special teamers than anything else, even though Amir Speed, Speed, I will say, man, the kid is long, six foot three. He's all that on the field and speed and, you know, but can he play? You know, we have no idea. But so the the biggest blow is it leaves them really thin at boundary cornerback. Now, if everything goes according to plan, if you go out there with Christian Gonzalez, and then Jonathan Jones, and then Marcus Jones comes in, who both I think you and I have high hopes for as a slot cornerback, then, you know, I think they still have the potential to be, you know, pretty good. They're just, again, the big thing is they are thin. They are one injury away, and we all know the soft tissue injuries at that position, and, you know, it's similar to wide receiver. Um, We saw it last year, all the injury issues that they went through at cornerback. They would be extremely thin and you really worry about that over the course of the seventeen-game season now.
1: Yeah, and, and Jack Jones, I talked about you know his, his wiry frame, and that was one question about his on-field ability and how he would transition to the NFL. But what he does have is he's a decently decently sized guy as far as height and length. You know, he's about five eleven. Which look, he, he's not he's not six foot two, six foot three, six foot four. But he is somebody, you know, that that brought them a little bit more length and height on the outside, and now you lose that part of it. So, you know, that's something else you've you've got to keep in mind. All right, let's do some rapid fire questions about DeAndre Hopkins mm-hmm. and left
0: tackle. First of all, Greg, anything going to happen here with uh, DeAndre? It doesn't look like it, you know, unless it, it seems from all the reports and his social media and stuff like that. It just seems like um between both the the known suitors the titans and the patriots uh nobody's bowled him over with an offer which makes him you know where you sort of get in this position and be like all right this is the best and final offer that we're going to give you you know it's going to go down after this if you're going to wait and you know could that make him jump yeah you know it could but is are the patriots going to do that there's nothing in their history. I mean, he did it. They did it for Antonio Brown and got burned. So, you know, are they going to do it again? Uh, It doesn't look like it. So this is going to be a long process. And, you know, like Burt Breer talked about, you know, keep an eye on the Chiefs because they're working on a long-term extension with Chris Jones that could free up cap space for the team. And then all of a sudden they get in the high. I think Hopkins preference is to strike a balance between money and best chance to win a Super Bowl and playing with an elite quarterback. Um, but you know, like we've talked about, he's a different type of cat. He likes his money. If a team comes out there and just says, "Hey, we're going to give you fifteen million dollars guaranteed with upside," I think he'd sign tomorrow. But I don't think there's a team out there that's going to do that right now. Thought it was interesting. He sent that tweet out yesterday, and my
1: lord did everybody retweet that thing and talk about it when he just said, Hey, I'll make you other receivers better on the next team I'm on. Uh, people are just, I guess, desperate for DeAndre Hopkins news. So he he could, he could uh, record himself, take, you know, make uh, just, I don't know farting and put it out there and people would probably talk about it and say, Hey, DeAndre Hopkins passed gas today on Twitter. Here's the video and audio to prove it. Like everybody's just dying for something. Th- this could have been, I don't want to say it was desperate, but, it, it, it did reek of a little desperation from Hopkins yeah. because nobody's been really talking about him, you know, not on a national level, obviously locally, a lot of focus has been on him with the Patriots and I'm sure the same is down in Nashville and Tennessee, but, you know, nationally, there's not a lot of Hopkins heat and, you it was at a time, it was him and OBJ, we were talking about it all the time, and the NFL network behind me right now talking about it, ESPN talking about it, and Hopkins took his visits, they talked about it, and now it's back to, well, we'll wait and see, and it was almost like somebody saying, hey, remember me, I'm still I'm still around in uh, Tennessee or New England, I can make you better, I, I just... Uh, I didn't really get why he's just randomly tweeting that outside of trying to get some spotlight again on him. I think he's trying to get his market going. He doesn't have any visits Mm -hmm. that I understand that are coming up. He had two visits, Tennessee, New England, neither team obviously felt the urgency to drop the bag on the table and sign the guy. I I think he's, I think he's trying to use any leverage that he has and he doesn't have much. So it'll be interesting. I wonder if there's something in the conversation made Belichick hesitate to not pull the trigger and maybe put more money down. Maybe, like you said, it's the Antonio Brown thing. It's just Belichick's way. He's not necessarily going to jump at the opportunity to pay a guy at the front of the line, especially someone who's you know now, what, 31 years old, and he's not the same guy. He would help this offense for sure, and I want him to be a Patriot, but he's not the same guy he was three or four years ago. So, I mean, until until he takes any more visits or a, a move happens, like you said, Chris Jones— Maybe Stephon Diggs in Buffalo. Maybe something happens there. There's some movement there. Uh, I think DeAndre is pretty much stuck. And he's left with Tennessee or New England. And I don't think New England's looking at Tennessee going, yeah, okay. Well, we have Mac Jones, who's not the greatest quarterback in the world, but they got Ryan Tannehill. Mm -hmm. Uh, We might be a nine-win team, ten-win team with DeAndre Hopkins. Tennessee might be a six- or seven-win team with DeAndre Hopkins. There's nothing really that Tennessee gives DeAndre that we can't give him aside from them maybe putting a bunch of money on the table. And they didn't do that when he left. And they still haven't done that when he visited here. And if they were going to put money on the table, they would have done it before DeAndre went to New England. If you if you really want the guy, you're not allowing him, or you're going to make it really, really tough. You're going to make it incredibly tough for that guy to take that visit in New England, if you're Tennessee. And they obviously did not put enough money on the table to make DeAndre kind of, you know, second guess himself, or immediately when he left New England, he would have turned around. He would have pivoted back to Tennessee and said, all right, baby, I-, I love Nashville. I'm coming home. I'll put my cowboy hat on and all- and-, and everything. I'm going to sell you on this. And he didn't do that. Um, how about Trent Brown? Any word on how the Patriots are feeling about that guy right now?
0: Yeah, they're not happy. They were not happy with him being late, um, which was simply due to his his travel, waiting until very late on Sunday when that hailstorm hit, Um, you know, and the way he showed up. I mean, he was really overweight, could barely get through a drill, and, you know, they are not happy. But, um, you know, they put themselves in this situation where they, they need Trent Brown. They need a good Trent Brown. Now the question is, how do you get him to be that guy? And I don't know if there are any ready answers. I mean, if you put more, if you give him more money, is suddenly he going to be, you know, on the program? I don't know. Um, so, you know, they're in they're in a whole heap of trouble, Nick, at, at, at tackle. I mean, yeah. you know, if Trent Brown isn't ready to go, I mean, I think if you look at what they have, you know, between Riley Reef and Calvin Anderson and Connor McDermott and City So, like, you, like I would make the argument that right now, you know, Trent Brown, when he's right, he's the only good starting tackle on the roster. Everybody else is, you know, really number threes at best. Um, You know, maybe so has a, you know, higher upside and we'll see once the pad gets on in camp and maybe he can start at right tackle. That's great. There's no chance he can play left tackle. So, you know, they are they are living dangerously at offensive tackle, which almost makes the Hopkins stuff moot. I mean, if, if if they can't block up, you know, to get the ball to DeAndre Hopkins, what are we even talking about? But I think I think that offensive tackle, especially left tackle, has turned into a, you know, a three alarm fire for this team. And and is one of the has to be one of the biggest concerns going into training camp.
1: Yeah, good luck to Bill O'Brien and Adrian Clem trying to work this offensive line out and and not have your quarterback get killed on the field on Sundays. Trent Brown has won my Nick Cattle's most infuriated with player of the year award already, and we're not even in training camp yet. So I'd like to congratulate him on that. There's no... This guy, like... I'm absolutely done with him. I have no patience for him. And look, he might go drop 30 pounds on the treadmill before he gets back to camp and hurrah, hurrah, hurray, hurray for the dude. But he just, he doesn't, like, where's the professionalism? Where's the pride in the gig that you have? You you figured walking into a contract here, he might show up in shape. Uh, and, And it's just, he takes his talent for granted, more than anybody on this football team. If he is in shape and healthy, he is a really, really good offensive tackle. Mm -hmm. But he couldn't care less 90% of the time. Show up in shape. Step away from the buffet for three months and show up ready to play. I mean, this is not difficult. The dude's a veteran. He's been around the league for a long time now. And if I'm the Patriots, I'm just – they're in a position of not really having any options, as you mentioned, and that's the problem. If they had any option they could go to right now, I think his ass would be gone. I, I, why keep him around? He doesn't want to be in shape. He had an up-and-down season last year. Uh, again, when, he, when he's motivated and he's in shape and he's healthy, he plays well, and then sometimes there'll be a complete puddle on the field, and he can't get out of his own way, literally and figuratively. So, I, I mean, I just – I have no patience for, for Trent Brown. I really don't. And I don't know if they can make something with Cincinnati work. Greg, I know Cincy has two or three tackles. Uh, Jonah Williams wants out because they shifted him to the right side. Uh, Jonah makes $12.6 million this year in the final year of his contract. I don't think Cincy would hold teams over a barrel to trade the guy. I don't think the asking price would be too crazy or too prohibitive. The question is $12.6 million. I mean, look. I'd rather have I I'd rather pay 12 million or whatever I got to pay for somebody who I believe will be motivated with a chip on his shoulder that will show up in shape and actually care about playing well this year than having the 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 low base salary with the incentives deal that Trent Brown has but not knowing what the hell you're going to get from week to week with that guy.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, look uh, you know, the the Bengals have they signed Orlando Brown in the offseason. They have Jonah Williams, who I think is on the franchise tag, or at least the final year of his deal. And they also have Lael Collins, um, who has his own colorful past. But um, so they have just those three guys. Those are three good, at least good starting tackles in this league. And all three of them have the ability to play left tackle, at least somewhat. Um, to me, between Hopkins And the Bengals offensive tackles, like, you know, if the Patriots are serious about like being a real team, being a serious team this year and a contender. You know, to me, they have to go and get both players. They have to go and get, you know, Jonah Williams and they have to get DeAndre Hopkins. Now, it does it does it suddenly make them like Super Bowl favorites? No, DeAndre Hopkins is available for a reason. He's 31, you know, all the issues, practice, injury, stuff like that. Jonah Williams, if he was so good, why would the Bengals keep, you know, why would they sign Orlando Brown to a big deal? Why would they Why would they bring in Lael Collins? So Jonah Williams is no, you know, surefire guy either. But, you know, you got to take a chance. You got to, I mean, right now they don't have enough of receiver and they certainly don't have enough of tackle. And like if, if you know, what are we doing here? If you're not going to make a real run at things and these guys aren't going to break the brink and the Patriots have a ton of cap space next year where they can borrow against that cap for this year. Like it's, it's, it's not, you know, putting a ton of assets into thing. I just think if the Patriots think uh, if they're serious about what they're doing, you know, they got to make a couple aggressive moves to at least give themselves a chance. I think those two guys would give the Patriots a chance going into the season. Agree with you hundred percent.
1: If, if if this team is all about winning and it should be, if this team is about getting to the playoffs and winning a playoff game for the first time in a few years, then you make those moves. There are two positions of need. You have an obvious needed offensive tackle. You need a wide receiver, especially with Tyquan Thornton and Juju Smith Schuster's injury history. Devontae Parker has a concussion and injury history as well. So, you know, we, we've talked about the lack of, of true depth at wide receiver and you've got two guys really just comes down to money. If you're willing to pay the money and find ways to kind of maneuver and and create some space, they already have 14, 15 million dollars there and they can do some other things as well. As you mentioned, why not upgrade your football team and why not give your team the best chance to get to the playoffs, especially in this division? And you don't have to worry about long-term bad deals. You don't have to worry about handcuffing yourself down the road. Hopkins is not costing you any assets. As I said, I don't think Jonah Williams at this point is going to cost you a huge asset to bring him in. So I I would be knocking down every door and I would be doing everything that I could if I were the Patriots and Bill Belichick to add two players that I think upgrade two positions of need on this team. Let's wrap things up with the BSJ member question of the day. Bedard, you released your latest 53-man roster. Uh, very thin at linebacker. Is that not a problem?
0: So um, the only you know big changes, and we already sort of uh, predicted, we had it uh, that uh, James Robinson, Lynn Bowden, and Yodney Kajust would be gone. Um, we had them released. Uh, the big changes that I had was I'm keeping Anthony Ferkser as a third tight end um, for depth, and I've always liked him as a good sort of all-around solid guy, and I think yeah. he... You know, he provides value there. And I'm taking the roster spot from linebacker. Um, we know uh, Raquan McMillan went on IR. Um, in practices, Mac Wilson was getting his reps, some of the reps there. But, um, you know, my thinking is, um, here's my thinking. The Patriots don't really like Wilson. It was a surprise to a lot of people that they even brought him back. I, I think they were just like, ah, yeah, okay, whatever. Um, you know, we'll give another chance. Maybe the light goes on. He got McMillan's snaps um, in the offseason, but I think that's just because they had really no other options. Um, you know, and really, you know, he's only he he's here. And it, what he's done so far has basically been sort of like a pass coverage linebacker, but with the Patriots, with the glut of safeties that they have, um, you know, between Duggar and, And, you know, Jabril Peppers, who's taken another step, and especially Marte Mapu, you know, and Adrian Phillips has played there plenty as well. Like, how many times are you really going to have a linebacker on the field covering anybody, you know, with what you have right now? And so, to me, I just, the only linebackers I have on my 53 are Bentley. Tavai and Chris Board, who we know is a special teams guy, I also think he could provide some coverage if need be due to special teams duties. So, to me, you know, Mac Wilson, I released him. I'm only keeping three linebackers. I, I think they're just they're too good at safety. Um, I did have to cut Joshua Bloodso in my last 53 man roster, but I'm definitely looking for a place to keep him. But I just think where the Patriots are right now, you know, forget about linebackers who can cover. They've never had any guys who were any good at it, uh, especially in recent times. Just go with the safeties and just be done with it.
1: I don't want to put too much on Mapu, man, but if if he could follow the mental part with the physical part, be out there and be available, sounds like the dude that you and I have been talking about for the last several years that this team needs, you know, some speed, some athleticism at that second level. Uh, he, he could, he could end up being a, a pretty big piece of this puzzle down the road. I mean, I don't want to put it all on in the first eight weeks of the season, but as you lay out the future of this defense and how it projects, he could be a, a pretty vital piece on that second level and third level for them with, with some of the versatility. This episode of the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast, Nick Cattles, brought to you by our friends at FanDuel. Again, you can check them out, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Sign up now at FanDuel.com Boston. New customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. Everybody, uh, enjoy the rest of your week and your weekends. If something happens with the Patriots, we'll surely be on top of it. Uh, for Greg, I'm Nick. We'll talk to you next time.